0: hello and welcome to a post comic-con Sumerian film project <laughs> the internet is ablaze with um, uh, with just excitement and fury over uh, over this awesome Tolkien adaptation no yes. not ours they're talking about a different... <laughs> I was one. gonna say
1: they, they've also been talking about the Rings of Power show yeah yes. exactly yeah yes, yes. yeah
0: Yeah. Um, uh, but of course, we are here, still doing, still doing the good work of uh, blazing the trail on how to adapt the first age, even though it's blazing,
1: like blazing other the trail, indeed. Well, now, so I wouldn't make any such accusation. However, what I will say <laughs> is that um, there are several places where I think we've kind of nailed it. Uh, there are definitely places where they are following in our footsteps. Again, I don't think they're stealing these ideas from us. I don't think that the showrunners have watched this. In fact, I suspect the showrunners have specifically avoided watching this. Um, however, um, I know some of the actors have watched this and I am looking at, um, the, at several things. That I'm, so for instance, um, I believe, uh, so you know the, uh, uh, the new bad guy that was really revealed in the recent trailer, the Slim Shady one? right uh the, the one who looks <laughs> vaguely like Eminem right yes um I, I absolutely believe that that is going to be a priestess figure like our mouth of Sauron in the hard frame Man, um, who is God. out gonna be out there corrupting the people of Harid. like I, I think, like it's absolutely the plot uh like you know the 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 the, the core plot of our horrid frame I think is absolutely absolutely going be happening here um we will know. If they, if they, if anybody on screen talks about, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, keeping Sauron in Christmas, then we'll know that they really are stealing <laughs> they from really us, did, but yeah, or Sauron is the reason for the season, but uh, probably that won't happen. And so, it, but, but seriously, like they're absolutely uh, there. I, when I was looking, it was funny because people were saying, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it's Sauron. It's Sauron. I'm like, that's not Sauron. And I'm like, and I actually think I, I have a pretty good idea of exactly who that is. And it, it was, I mean, did you see the shot in the trailer of her standing up on the cliff with like, yeah. her, like priestly robe? and and staff and everything um i absolutely think that that's what's going on there um and there are so there are other places i'm blanking right now that was one of the big ones that really jumped out at me recently um but there have been several times where i oh of course like um other even bigger things that's why i wasn't thinking of it um like ptsd galadriel right which of course like we did back in season four yep um and, uh, uh, and, and clearly, uh, you know, they're doing, so there, there are actually a number of ways in which their adaptation choices are really following, uh, in our, in our footsteps here. And again, the point isn't that I think that they're copying from us. Um, the point is actually, I just, I think that, um, it's really interesting to see um, some of the things that like we're wrestling with that they that clearly they're wrestling with, too, and to see similarities. I'm going to be fascinated to see some of the differences, too, in uh, in the kind of conclusions that they're drawing when we think about how do you t- how do you take and you know, how do you take this stuff? Now, obviously, it's not directly parallel in the sense that we're not doing the second age stuff yet. So we're not going to be able to do the kind of direct um, comparison uh, that we might otherwise do uh, or be able to do. But anyway, it's been um, uh, it's been it's been interesting to see. I certainly uh, have been thinking some film, film thoughts lots of times when I'm watching new trailers and seeing. I, I think it's. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So I
0: co- I wouldn't expect you to confirm or deny, Corey, but they're they're de- I think we may be able to make some comparisons because there seems to be mounting evidence
1: there's going to be first age stuff on the screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure, Uh, for sure. And I don't... (laughs) Sorry, I'm at this stage now where like... Like, there's been so much stuff, right, between the, like, uh, the trail, you know, all the trailers that have been released now. And then there's, like, the Hall H footage, which it's okay for us to talk about because it was shown publicly to 6,000 people, right, who didn't sign an NDA for it. So, like, it's fine to talk about that stuff. And then there's the stuff that I saw in London that I did sign an NDA and I'm not supposed to talk about. And so often I'm just like, wait, wait does this, am I, can I talk about this or not? I don't remember. Um, but yes. I know for a fact, in Hall H, um, uh, stuff that we could publicly talk about, there absolutely is a substantial amount of 1st age stuff. Now, by substantial amount, I mean big, meaty flashbacks, presumably in episode one. I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be multiple um, uh, episodes or something like that. But, but yeah, there's definitely some really interesting, meaty stuff. I mean, we've seen, just think of, like, the little bits we've seen, right? We've seen um, uh, Finrod in battle, presumably, like, Dagor Bragalak or something. We've seen Goadrio with what looks to be Finrod's body. We've seen mm-hmm. um, uh, Goadrio. We've seen that shot, that like underwater shot, which I still believe to be an underwater shot of the kinslaying with the like the red screen with the the dead floating elves. Um, juxtaposed with the you haven't seen what I've seen comment, uh, right, by Goadrio, I think that's a kinslaying flashback uh, mm-hmm. right there.
2: Um, hey, quick question. Do you yeah. think that could possibly be just two takes of the same line that they stitched together to make it sound like it's a response to Elrond? Uh, cause that's a thing that happens sometimes. Oh yeah. It happens
1: a lot. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows exactly what's going to, and there's, there's a lot of things like that that are, I think trailer sort of misdirection or if not active misdirection, at least kind of misleading because slapped together in a trailer. Um, like, for instance, I don't for a minute believe that the shot of the Balrog indicates we're going to get the Balrog awakening in Khazad-dûm, um, because that would be so early. Um, uh, I think we're seeing a Balrog on the battlefield. I think it's part of a flashback mm-hmm. uh, in episode yep. one. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, great. J.J. is reminding me not to talk about the scene that reveals that Celeborn is the Witch King. Okay, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, thanks for the reminder there. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, see that's another thing. To talk about following in our footsteps again, I cannot wait to see. I believe we're going to get, not in season one. It's not going to happen in season one. I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen in season one. But I think we're going to get the galadriel like courtship thing like, i think we're gonna get oh, them man I, I think it's gonna happen and i am gonna be really that's another place i'm gonna be really interested to compare and contrast and see interesting uh, uh and see what we'll get but anyway shouldn't digress too long but i did i mean there's such a there's such a film film angle uh to so many stuff I, so many things i've been like bursting <laughs> to talk especially the the horrid stuff like again this last trailer i was like oh man like they are they are all you should, over it. Like
2: you, you <laughs> should do that on other minds and hands.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I would. Yeah, Mike, running out of time. Yes, <laughs> there's so much. Yeah. There's there's, and of course, then I'm traveling half the time. So, anyway, um, um, yeah, yeah, lots of stuff, uh, lots of stuff to talk about. But um, we should. Uh, jump in because we're already like super late and we have a whole episode to talk about episode two here. Um, so quick notice about, don't forget to order my book because that'll be fun. Um, and, uh, there's moots coming up, including one that I'm leaving home for in like four hours. So, um, uh, that's Buckeye (laughs) moot this weekend. Um, Uh, In Cincinnati, you can still sign up to attend remotely, Uh, not too late for that, Um, but uh, we have our other ones as well. Mountain Moot uh, in Denver on the 24th of September, Middle Moot in Kansas City, and New England Moot on the 15th of October uh, in Durham, New Hampshire, and then SoCal Moot on November 5th. Uh, And Oz Moot down in Brisbane, Australia. so uh, if you come to New England Moot, then you can attend. Uh, we're going to have New England Moot on the. So if you saw Their Minds and Hands on Wednesday when I was in like the movie studio, we're going to be holding the moot there in that room on the movie studio. So um, mm. it's going to that, be that's going to be that's going to be fun on the fifteenth. And it's also possible that um, I might. Um, uh, it's also possible that I might be attempting to organize watch parties at the studio on the 15 foot by 52 foot digital screen, uh, for the show when it comes out, just saying that might happen. So we'll see about that. (laughs) But, um, also I am several of us, um, uh, have been encouraging, um, have been trying to, uh, encourage the Amazon marketing people to, Organize more uh, cinematic uh, showings of the first one. We've been mm. strongly advocating for uh, as like nationwide as possible a cinematic release for that first weekend. Um, so we'll see. Interesting. You think we're any, trying. Any, is there any chance of that? There is. I think. I think There. there, there there's. We've had. To, We've had some good talks. We've been trying to. We've been trying to encourage this, and I think it's it's possible. It's possible. Uh, they've listened to us before, <laughs> so <laughs> that's been something that's been good. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the chief mover in this, but I've definitely been uh, uh, been uh, been advocating that. But um, um, anyway, um, so uh, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see about that. But when we're next together at Silmfilm, Film, maybe we'll know more about that kind of thing because it'll be only a couple weeks before the release of the show uh, when that happens. All right. Um, Let us jump in past the map, which is conveniently... uh, Zoomed in. Zoomed in, right? So that we're covering only the things that we're covering here. Um, And uh, just quickly, the camp um, of the... um, Like uh, of... um, uh, what's his name? Oradreth's Camp? Right, uh, from this episode. Um yeah. where where is that exactly?
3: Okay, so That's... you see the river Syrian. Yeah, right? I think mm-hmm.
1: you were right there. Right, right, right down here?
3: You see how there's the tributary Ooh, hang
1: on. L- losing you a little into
3: bit. Into Syrian.
1: North this of one. the forest of Rethel. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, the, and there's a dotted road crossing it. Uh-huh. the road that goes down to Nargothrond. Right. It's that right. river crossing.
1: Mm-hmm. And so this is the bridge they're talking about in that
2: well you notice there's no bridge there because the, the this map was made after this episode
1: it's right exactly literally right yeah
3: um, so this if,
2: yeah yeah.
3: I, I have a mild with the map um, so if you look at some other rivers you'll see that there's like a little bracket showing like maybe there's a bridge across the river in right. some places it's like yeah. cool bridges some of those are definitely fords
0: right like yes. the bridge And they're still
3: marked with the bridge sign. Right. So I, I can't figure out if it's a bridge sign or a ford sign, because some are bridges and some are fords. And I'm like, what is happening here?
1: Well, and you, you've got to figure if the dotted line crosses a river, it has to be one or the other, right? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. So, so, I, so I
3: opted for bridge that becomes a ford. There you go. For this there particular one. I also yeah. am not sure of the name of the river if Tolkien names it anywhere. It's obviously not on this map, but I, I haven't found a name for that butary yet um so i'll make i mean there's a name in the script made up but if we find the real name I'll, i'd be happy to replace it with the real name so if anyone knows the name of that river i'm super yeah. curious
1: it's um it seems to me almost impossible that tolkien didn't name it at some time or other i mean naming rivers is one of his favorite things <laughs> so um uh yeah yeah i agree okay all right let's see um Okay. All right. Go cool. I wanted to that's what I just wanted that was the that was the one geographical question. And um all right, Tarn Iluin is over here, so we're mostly in the eastern half of Dorthonian, right, with the, the human section of the story. Um Okay. Okay. All right, and I think that's and now um I Kalagorn and Kurafin, and their cavalry, right? Has they've come from where have they come from? They've because they've not come through Nandungorthab. They've come around the south, right? So they've come around the south, past Amunruth, and they've come up through what presumably through the crossings of Tagon and up this way.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Um. So they're really retracing their steps back down towards Nargothrond then. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Um, cool. Excellent. Thank you for zooming in on the map. That was helpful to make sure I got things framed properly here. Um, okay, so these were are the three main plot lines. Uh, uh, well, these are the first three the first three episodes here, right? So we're moving yes. on towards Baron. Episode two... Um, I loved the having Thor and Gwethel as sort of the primary uh, in this episode. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I well, I could wait. We'll talk about Thor and Gwethel later on. But anyway, it was good. I like that. Um, and we did get Thingol. He's very deep plot indeed. He only appears once and... and is talked about once and appears once, right? Um, okay, all right. Um, the fallout of Sauron taking the tower. Um, by the way, loved the uh, the loved the Karkaroth um cameo, oh, yeah, that yep. was really good. That was really good. Um, uh, nice and subtle, yeah. My question was exactly how fell were the meats. That were being passed to Karkaroth under the, under this, st- I mean, pretty fell, right?
3: They were burnt.
1: Burnt. There we go. Okay. All yeah, right. Which is as the worst as, kind of meat. As long as they're demonstrably right. fell, right? Uh, the meats, they're, then I think we're good. Um, uh, yeah, no, that's great. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch on there though, we I think we're going to get to, uh, yeah, all right. We're going to get to that in a second. All right. So this is just a summary then I, I want, I want to, I don't, I don't I don't want to do that thing that I sometimes do where I linger on this slide and talk about Sauron and thuring Gwethel for a long time and then advance to find that that was the Sauron and Thuring-Wethel slide that I never got to. Um, so, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, So there's, there's, uh, and right, also we've that got, there's,
0: there's 15 minutes left in
1: the episode. Right. W- when I actually do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Sauron and Thuring are sort of at the core of this episode, but really closely intertwined with that is the Baron and Gorlim uh, plotline um, and the betrayal of Gorlim and the appearance of Gorlim's shade. Um, all of that happens straight up through um, basically Baron's discovery of, uh, of the, dist- the destroyed camp and the body of his father, um, but not through the vengeance, which is next... Episode Right. That's episode three. Um, and of course, the frame. Oh, and then uh, the other bee pot um, the fallout from Tol Sirion, which was just sacked at the end of the last episode. Um, and so we have Oradreth, you know, what happened to those who fled. And so we have Oradreth and his um, camp of refugees, which who then get uh, uh, who then receive succor from uh, the Feanorians which is going to turn out great. And then and in the frame, Arwen and Galadriel. Um, Arwen was awful feisty uh, in the frame. Mm-hmm. That was kind of fun. Um, I, I liked, I liked feisty Arwen. Um, like, how can I, how can I say this without openly dissing my grandmother to her face? Like that was kind of fun. I, I, I liked, <laughs> I, I liked that. Um, I was, that was a, that was a, a spunky Arwen without going too far over the top. So, Okay. Um, uh, let's talk about Thu and Thuring Gwethel here. So my first question about Sauron and Thuring Gwethel here at the, at the, at the beginning in the, in the opening part of the episode, um, I was, I was not a hundred percent sure. How are we envisioning Sauron reacting here? Like what's going on in Sauron's head? during this whole, cause like this, it's this, it's this whole like ceremonial thing, right. Where he's called in front of the throne of Morgoth and Morgoth praises him. And, um, uh, you know, kind of rubs the Balrog's faces in it, um, that he accomplished you know, so, uh, this is following up from the grudge, you know, the, 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 the grudge encounter that we got between Gothmog and Sauron at the end of episode one. And now Sauron is having his moment of glory and or is given to him as his fiefdom, which is fun. Um, and, um, but what is Sauron th- that I'll tell you the, so the question that I, I'll, I'll repeat the question that I have and then I'll tell you where, like, where I'm going with it. Right. Um, uh, t- two sort of places. So again, the question is what's going on in Sauron's head. What is his, what is his internal relationship to Morgoth's actions and to, to, to the praise of Morgoth? Is he, is he buying it? Like, is he really getting like a swollen head? Like, I'm really all that, and Morgoth is, because he was questioning Morgoth at the end of last season, right? We've, we've, we've had this split between the two of them. How is that split playing in? Like, from Sauron's perspective, how is that playing into here? And then, my second, the the thing I want to get to from here is that then how, in the context of that, how are we to be understanding his the like the opening up of the breach between himself and Thor and Gwethel, which seems one of the most difficult elements, I think, of what we're trying to accomplish in this episode, as far as the bad guy plots are concerned.
3: So one thing that's going on is that Sauron has to act like, oh, thank you, Lord, that's amazing. while well, right. he's in Angband. So right. we don't get his internal reaction at all in that first scene. So the only hint as to what he's really thinking is that when he goes home to see Theron Gwethel, his first reaction is, oh, yeah, I got to take care of Dorthornian now. Can you do that for me? Right. And it seems quite clear that he's not impressed by having been named Lord of Dorthornian. He he kind of is treating this like some extra task he's been given and like, okay, okay yeah, 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 I'm going to take care of it because to- the boss told me to and I'd look bad if I didn't. But that's dumb and pointless and not the focus of where things need to be right now. So... I'm focused on my own separate thing and not really tying into whatever Morgoth's up to.
1: Right. So the idea is that any
3: of that being explicit. So it's very,
1: it's, it's that, that was clearly one of the difficulties and challenges of script writing for this whole section is there's so much unspoken stuff that needs to be conveyed or even stuff that's contrary to what is spoken, um, which is also hard. Um, So, and obviously so much of this would be relying upon the actors right um, were this to be an actual production um, so that's why i'm wanting to kind of talk it through a little bit more so okay so he i have a he, quick question yeah, right go ahead, go ahead. to uh, to what extent
0: is that is that genuine or is that posturing in his part like he's is he like trying to put on a put on sort of a, an act for thorngwethol to be like oh yeah thoronium <laughs> that's that's uh yeah who cares about that you go take care of that so to what extent is it him genuinely thinking like no i i'm not interested in that versus him like trying to like sort of uh posture for mm-hmm. her benefit
3: i think it's at least somewhat genuine because what use is dorthonian to him right and well, i couldn't come up with why he would usually care <laughs> no. about the- at any point
1: right true because the, The thing that I think could be really cool there, right, is it sort of can demonstrate exactly, like, the nature of the difference between Sauron's and Morgoth's perspectives here, right? Morgoth is thinking, like, Morgoth just wants to control everything, right? And so every bit of land that he controls and ruins you know, he's got his little checklist and he's checking off the list. Right. So Dorthonian check. Right. Um, And I'm going to give it to you. And, but again, the fact that he thinks that Sauron is going to be pleased by this, right. Um, Shows that he's not understanding the way that Sauron thinks and the way that Sauron thinks he's not thinking about land right? who cares about land. Um, As you say, like, What's the point of Dorthonian? It has no function now, uh, now that the leaguer has been broken. It was important before, right, when the Ligur was still going on, but it's not important now. Now the Ligur's been broken and that's fine. The next thing to do, and again, I think that we sort of demonstrated that not only by the fact that he takes Tulserian, but the way that he takes Tulserian, right? This is not just about like acquiring real estate and then sort of moving out, um, uh, from there. So um, anyway, um, yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, Dennis, who's watching on YouTube. Yep. Thorin Gwethel is totally in there. Thorin Gwethel the vampire. Um, we love Thorin Gwethel the vampire. She gets like three references uh, in the story. She's clearly important. Um, well, I think she's clearly important. She seems important. Um, but, um, uh, but we're told almost nothing about her. So we made her an important character. Um, but, um, okay. So I, anyway, right. So Sauron clear. I mean the, 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 the evidence, right. Of episode one suggests that Sauron is thinking like, okay, um, he's got a checklist too. Right. But his checklist involves like major strategic points and critical, like elvish enemies. Right. So Tulsirian, um, immense strategic importance taken out without really a battle, right? Um, Certainly not without, with any destruction. Now, you know, now the next stage will be what? Nargothrond or, um, you know, Baradaythal or, you know, or, you know, and Himring. There's, there's like a few, which if he can now figure out new plans to infiltrate those places, you know, perhaps using some kind of sort of adapted version of what he did in Tol Syrian, then he could take out the entire opposition. And again, he doesn't need armies. He doesn't need land. Um, he's not worried about any of that stuff. So in that sense, we see him thinking differently um, and really beginning to sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of feather his own nest rather than just serving Morgoth um but of course there's also sort of a double effect isn't there by having Morgoth talk about giving him land and him be like "Ooh, yay land um but of course the Balrogs are really envious right like you know they care you know uh like they do think like Morgoth in fact um uh, and so there's a kind of a fun irony in the fact that the, you know, the the Balrogs are all like gnawing their tongues for envy at uh, what Sauron is being given, and he doesn't value it actually at all. Um, it's kind of fun and shows us something about the the um, the differences in their perspectives there. Um, so so let's come to the breach between Sauron and Thorin Gwethel. I guess the first question has to be. Um, yeah, so Jason is asking, does Morgoth know that Sauron is working a necromancy sub-project? Morgoth presumably knows what Sauron did to take the tower, right? I mean, I can't, I, I can't think that's hidden from him. Um, but I don't know. Theron
3: Gwethel reported into Morgoth right after the tower was taken, and we don't hear the conversation between her and Morgoth to know exactly how much.
1: Right. Right. So Nick, what are you thinking? I I, I see you saying both no and yes here uh, in the comments. Uh,
2: I don't think he cares. Morgoth. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think Morgoth is like super interested in what kind of nerdy nonsense Sauron is using to accomplish things right like that's he might know but how much of how much brain space that's taking up I yeah you know yeah yeah um,
1: I would think I mean gothmog at the least would have seen that I don't think like, keeping it a secret seems not only weird. But it, I think we don't want to, we want to be careful. Um, Morgoth, the weakness of Morgoth was demonstrated by Fingolfin, right? So mm. we've, we've, we've deliberately um, taken Morgoth down a peg. Um, through the fight with Fingolfin, and Sauron saw it. Sauron is really the the primary person who's been registering that, right? Um, but we don't want to take him down too far too fast, right? We don't want to yeah. make Morgoth look like a, look like a moron. Um, so to say, you know, for him to be like, oh, I don't know what my underlings are doing and how they do it, but oh, yeah. Tol Syrian is taken? Hooray, great. I will ask no questions. I mean, I'm not saying it would be like that, but we wouldn't want to risk it looking like that, right? Yeah. Um, However, what I think would be clearly in Sauron's interest would be um, that Sauron would want to... Like, basically, he sees a kind of potential in this that Morgoth is not seeing, right? He sees this as an avenue um, really more... Not for the first time. I mean, we've seen Sauron doing... with With the elf corruption plan right the you know the the um the old orc uh the necromantic orc project um uh what was the what that's, was the that's uh, the
2: snop the super snop. secret necromantic, secret orc, necromantic
1: project. orc project right i knew that was an acronym that i was forgetting part of um yes with that we we see him already moving in that same way and that was back in season two right which was um I'm going to do something which is following Morgoth's orders and will indeed further Morgoth's plans, but which also puts me in a personal position of power and enables me to build my own, um, uh, my own strength, you know, and he's not thinking about rebellion at that point at all in season two, but that's just sort of how he thinks. But here, the difference is it's so it's similar. um, Uh, to the snop, but it's, um, but it's more advanced because here he's now beginning to have notions, right. Of going solo um, and thinking and, and, you know, losing a little bit of faith in Morgoth and thinking I might need to make a backup plan. And this necromancy thing, this, this is a backup plan, right? So Morgoth would know that. And he would, he wants to be respected by Morgoth. It's to his benefit, certainly, uh, to be respected by Morgoth. But at the same time, I would think that he doesn't want Morgoth to realize how um, the extent to which he believes anyway he could uh, use this for his own for his own benefit. Um, so, yeah, you were right, Nick. It's both yes and no uh, there. Um but, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, and I do agree with Karita uh, uh, and um, Druid's Fire, who are saying that Morgoth is a results-oriented employer um, who doesn't particularly care about the methods so long as his, the goals that he sets are achieved. Um, yes, I, I do agree with that. Again, I, he's not stupid, Right. So he's going to pay attention to what his underlings are doing. But um, uh, but yes, at the end of the day, that's what he primarily um, that's what he primarily is going to be interested in. Um, uh, Okay, Um, So. But Thorin Gwethel now. Sauron's relationship with Thorin Gwethel. Um, What has changed for him? Is there something that's changed for him? Okay, let me ask this question. Let me back up and ask this question a different way. Thorin Gwethel feels slighted by Sauron in the first part of this episode. Um, is that a Sauron story or a Thorin Gwethel story? Is this her being huffy without great justification? Or is his, has his attitude towards her actually changed? And if so, why? What do we think?
3: I think that this is the first time he's given her a task where Uh it was him brushing off something on her that he didn't want. Uh, So up to this point, he's been treating her as a collaborator. They're co-conspirators. He is very open with her about what he's trying to do because he trusts her to, you know, be very competent at doing things. So she's up. Operating on the same way that she has of uh, yeah, we touch base and we notes and I could do my thing. And so at the end she's already reporting, like, look, I did the thing you asked me, I was very competent, I got it all done, it's all perfect. And he's all Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He hasn't brushed her off like that before. So right. if it's who changed him or her from this so far, it seems to be him.
1: Okay. So why exactly? Um, flush with his success from Tulsirion? Has is, is he genuinely changed how he thinks of himself? Is, I mean, he's only been like through the Dark Lord for like five minutes, right? Um, has that already gone to his head? Uh, I mean, how do we, what do we?
2: Yes, sort of. Um, but it's not just that he's also had this other task that he has zero interest in performing dumped in his lap, which right. is something not generally something that, you know, in a situation where he does have better things to be doing. Right. You know, like...
1: So it starts there. with him feeling slighted, basically. And then he kind of passes that down the line. <laughs> right.
2: It rolls okay. downhill, as they say. The yeah. I w-
0: yeah. I was going to ask their... There does seem to be, a, uh, there seems to be almost parallels between the Morgoth-Sauron scene and then the sauron and scene. Um, yeah, as you, yeah. As you say, Nick, it's rolling down. Um, yeah, and that, yeah. And that seems, to, that is like the pattern with the bad guys, right? Yeah. There's yeah. um, um, no and that's, true that's collaboration.
3: That hasn't been there between the two of them before. So this is new, but right. they are bad guys. And right. uh, the other element that's new is... Sauron's getting a little possessive of these souls in his basement. Yes. Um, and Théringwethil is developing a, a consistent interest in them. Mm-hmm. So they have conflict over only one person can control the well of souls. Right. <laughs> and it's <Right>. Sauron. <laughs>
1: right. Right. So I, I think, on the one hand. I I don't disagree with the you know the rolling downhill thing that we were talking about and I do agree that one of one element that I think is going to correlate with the descent on the path down you know to the void that Morgoth travels and Sauron travels after him like the downward path of the bad guys does correlate I think with a decreasing level of self-awareness right mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, the further down the road you go, the less self-aware you are um of like how nihilistic and pointless and uh you know, like it's the extent to which you're like destroying yourself for the sake of an increasingly nihilistic end, right? Um that okay. So so again, like that Sauron is starting to take as he steps into the through the necromancer role that he begins to become in some sense less self-aware of the fact that he's now exactly turning around and doing to Thorin Gwethel what, what Morgoth just did to him. Um, I, so it's not that I find that, like, inappropriate. Like, I think that that works. But I think, what if, what if we were to... I think it'd be a pretty easy revision to add a little bit more conversation about the will of souls. That We get that, the, the conflict over the will of souls. We get that especially at the end, Right. But it doesn't really... I don't
3: remember it coming up at the beginning. Am I misremembering that? Did it come up at the start? It's mentioned because Thuring got information about there's outlaws in Dorthonian. Right. She specifically says from our elven guests.
1: Okay, right, so, right.
3: So she, she's getting
1: information out of them, but she's... Um, okay, right. But I think if um, if we were to foreground a little bit more the... Because, so, I think there's several benefits to this. One, again, both bad guys, right? And so the, the primary thing that that means is that because they're both bad guys, they are both fundam- fundamentally out for number one. So the, the, the easiest, most logical, um, and simplest reason for two hitherto closely allied and heavily cooperative bad guys to fall out is self-interest, right? They both want the same thing and, you know, grudge it to the other. Um, so I think, f- so I, I, again, I think that um, that breach becomes a little bit more understandable if there's like a more obvious kind of bone of contention, right? That they're. Yes.
3: Yeah, so far what's happening is after she reveals the information that she got, and he's like, okay, well, we got to take care of Dorthonian and that's going to be your, you know, he's t- telling her, she says, oh, you want me to go get some more information from them? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I want you to go to Dorthonian. <laughs> right,
1: right. I'll stay
3: here. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. So right. he's he's already pushing her away from that, but I, I can add. To that conversation, yeah, make just to kind longer, of make more, that more a little explicit. bit more explicit, yeah, exactly. Because then, mm-hmm.
1: not only because like, then we can all it, it would add, I think, uh, some extra dynamics there, right? One, we could show his increasing possessiveness, right? Like, I don't even want you getting more information out of them, I I want you to leave them to me, right? Um, but also, her another reason why she's going to grudge being sent off to Dorthonian is that she's going to see, like, but no, I like you're separating me from the well of souls right you're sending me away so i can't have access to those anymore and i don't trust you uh while i'm gone right so you know that um uh um i, I get that would help i think to make it a little bit more intuitive um a, um to bring a little bit more conviction to the uh, still I get frankly rather sudden suspicion between the two of them, as you say, it's never happened before. Um, and without a long setup, which we haven't really had time for and nor really a need for, right? They've not been on screen enough for us to be able to do a really long scale. Um, uh, but but anyway, yeah, I think that having um, um, having that come up a little bit more explicitly at the beginning so that we can see the envy and suspicion oriented there a little bit more clearly, I think would probably would, would have eased that, I think a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, (laughs) uh, uh, Dennis, who's a new viewer on YouTube asking so many good questions, which we don't have time to go back and answer right now because we've already done like whole bunches of episodes talking about these things, which we don't have time to go back and recap right now, but I will just say, um, Go back and watch the, or some of the earlier episodes from season six, and you will get lots of answers to all of those questions that you're asking. Um, sorry, I always hate. I, I it's hard uh, when that happens because I want to. I want to answer the questions and stuff. But like again, we've talked about all this a lot already, so I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, go over things. But anyway, okay. Um, so. Um, Though, actually, having said that, Dennis just asked a really good question, um, which is, why why need she obey? That's a really good question for this right here. Um, what, um, yeah, if she is distrustful, if she feels slighted, um, I mean, is it just the same reason that Sauron, you know, plays along when he's in Angband? Because Sauron can kick her butt and she knows it? Um, or...
3: I think that she's feeling a little resentful at this point, but she's definitely not ready to cut ties with Sauron. Right. Like she's been thick as thieves with him forever to this right. point. Yeah. And this is their first tiff right. essentially. She- <laughs> so, right. so she's going to go do the job because, okay, it's like, fine, I'll show you how awesome I am. I'll do the job really well and come back and be like, see, I did it. Now let's go back to collaborating the way I want. Yeah. Right. And then she doesn't get the response from him. So she is going to disobey in a few more episodes. Right. <laughs> when right. the tower's under attack, she's going to make a, a move for the, the souls.
1: Right, right.
3: While Luthien is trying to attack the tower in episode seven. So this disagreement is setting up an event. Thurne Wethel does what she wants.
1: Moment. Right. And surely, I mean, she's got to know that if she doesn't support Sauron, um, I mean, if she were, it's not even just that Sauron is would kick her butt, but like Gothmog is certainly not going to give her the time of day, right? I mean, like without Sauron, where is she, right? You know, what right. does she have?
2: She knows where bread's buttered, essentially. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. exactly. She certainly can't do without him yet, uh, even if she wanted to go there. And I agree. It's not, this would be way too early for her just to be you know leaving him uh, entirely or planning to do so um okay um the okay um Thuring-Wethel changes how dorthonian is run by the villains um Tell me more about this. This is another one of those things that, like, had to be conveyed very non-verbally and was clearly very tricky, right? Yeah, um,
3: yeah Nick. But... How do you convey that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so essentially, one of the things that we were actively trying to do is to show kind of the noose tightening around. Mm-hmm our uh, our intrepid outlaws right right, right. so they're out mm-hmm. there at tarnado and and this this is the same thing that we've talked about um you know when we were talking about the myth movement when right. we were presenting episode one that there's a diminishing return to their staying in dorthonian like right right there's a smaller amount of people to rescue um both because they're getting killed off or dragged off to be enslaved somewhere else or um or they're in fact being rescued right yeah yeah right um and it's getting progressively more dangerous to be in dorthonian
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: so there's this tipping point where they're not doing as much good as they could elsewhere um but who wants to be the one to be like, okay, so we're not sure if anybody's left, but we're going to leave. Right. Right. Um, and so what we're demonstrating in this episode is how much tighter, like at least before they could, they could kind of move around through Dorthonian relatively. safely. Yes. There's yes. only 13 of them. You can get by. Right. Right. But now the, you know, their game is disappearing. they, um, they can't walk 45 steps without running into an orc patrol right and they the orcs are actively hunting them specifically now right, right? so everything gets harder um, and I think that's what we're trying to convey there and one of the ways we did that was to to before we get into the darthonian plotline, line to show Thorwethel, tightening the noose, you know, dragging you know finding the people that the outlaw's are trying to rescue before they get there and dragging them out to demoralize them and make them have to travel further to do what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so like you can definitely I hope get the sense of their world, the outlaw's world, safe world kind of shrinking you know over the course of the episode until yeah. finally Disappears. So
1: I will say on the one hand, I got that, that, that general sense of um, frustration and danger um, and increasing futility. Um, that I think was definitely conveyed successfully. What I think was less clearly conveyed was that it was Thor and responsibility. Like that, that was her who is really making that change? Um, and because honestly, like, we got her being sent to Dorthonian, right, to do the thing. And then it's not lo- that long later before we like, and then she, like, appears as Eilinal, right? Um, and which obviously is sort of her, and I knew that was going to be her anyway, but it's obviously her style, right? Um, so if there's anything that, like, screamed Thorin Gwethel's style, it was the Islanel gambit, right, uh, with Gorlim. Um, even just, like, the haunting of Gorlim was very cool and very Thorin Gwethel. Um But I don't... Th- I didn't feel like Thorin Gwethel's fingerprints were really clearly on the earlier... St- I mean, it was clear, that, again, that progression of danger, that, like, all that stuff that you described... Definitely was clear. Um, but that it was because of Thor and Gwethel that that change happened was less clear.
3: Right. I mean, and the challenge because how do you show someone's fingerprints on something? Right. And with with that, obviously the Island L stuff and the interaction with Gorlam, it's directly and explicitly her. Right. Um, she is present at the attack on the camp at the end and snippets that Nick was referring to, I believe we see her there as the orcs are leading past the newly mm-hmm. captivated prisoners, right? i say mm-hmm. I believe because I didn't write that for Nick did. <laughs> but, the, um, but the general idea, and also in scene when Baron is finding the cave, uh, one of Thuron vampires is flying overhead, so we right. know that that's part of what's right. hunting the Alice. Yeah. So like, there's, there's little snippets of her throughout, but yeah, the, the key piece of what makes it there in Gwethel is the island. seek sequ- sequence and Sauron telling her, Hey, you're the one who's going to go to Dorthonia and make this happen. So right. when we see things happen, it's like, it must've been her.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So so what more are you wanting? Cause I, I know you're wanting more. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how necessary it is. Um, I guess one thing, all right, what would make it clearer? There are lots of things I can think of that would make it clearer, but that would mm. also probably make it suck more if we actually did that, right?
2: The, so, herein lies the problem, yes. Herein <laughs> lies
1: the problem. But so let me, without uh, without the assumption that what I'm suggesting, that these things I'm about to say are actually intent, like. I, I do not believe these would improve it. I'm just saying... Giving this as illustration of the kind of thing, right? Okay. Um, a bit that bomb. Yeah. Spitfire uh, yeah, of, like, the effect that I would want to have. Not that this is the means to create that, the best means to create that effect. Okay. What, uh, basically, big picture, more before and after, right? Um, uh-huh. More that, like... Uh, because I mean, there were bad guys there before, right? They were in danger mm-hmm. before. There were orcs capturing and we saw orcs capturing and killing people before, right? In the in the last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if we had if there were a more if there were somehow a clearer before and after, some sense of well, okay, up to this point, you know, the orcs have been a problem, and obviously, you know, like this is a, but we've been able to dodge them pretty easily, and right, but man, like recently you know, it's getting like, it's getting harder and harder. Right. So one really clumsy, like, so really clumsy mechanism number one would be dialogue to that effect among the outlaws. Right. Um, we
3: totally have the dialogue to that effect among the outlaws already. Um, because when they come back and the hunting didn't work, they're like, yeah, man, these, these wolves, they make it really tough. You're like, you know, they can track you. So it's hard for us to do anything because they're wolves now.
1: Right. Um Maybe a specific association with, like, so Thorin Gwethel is the wolf innovator. So, like, maybe I something earlier on to indicate that connection. Um, you know, her. Okay, so
3: yeah. when she gets the assignment from Sauron, she can lead Tolstarian with a bunch of wolves, right? Headed exactly. towards Northanian, like, and then know, yeah, and her little me, vampires. Right, yeah,
1: we like, can see her little
3: know, headed into Northanian. Right.
1: Give me the werewolves or, you know, like send the werewolves with me or something yeah. like that. Okay. Um, I, I, I will find them. And then it's clear that, like, the wolves are a problem. Because, again, that was clear. It was just, it was not, it was, again, it was the fingerprints that I was missing, right? Um, of course, another, here's an even clunkier way to do it. Because this, this will be even more fun. Nick. You'll love this. Um, a, uh, a little brief um, Gorgol Thorin gwethel scene. Right. Where Thorin Gwethel yells at Gorgal uh, and says, like, new sheriff in town. We're going to do this differently now. Um, that's even more clunky. Right. That but, in
2: itself is not more clunky. It would just it would just be finding a, a finding room. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Would be the the issue. Um,
1: I, I, I will also add a brief reminder montage. of Gorgall before the of uh, before the. Um, killing of Barahir might not go amiss, actually. It's been what a while if,
2: since we've really seen him. What if, instead of coming back completely unsuccessful from their hunt, they came back with a captive of their own that oh. they proceed to interrogate? Mm. A captive, like if, what? A captive orc? A captive orc, yeah. If, 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 ba- um, Barragund and Belagund came back with a captive orc and questioned him and, you know, got the name Thu out of him, for example. Um,
3: so now it's going to look like the outlaws only get killed as vengeance for this poor little orc. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I mean, remember Snaga. <laughs> <Let's> get-
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of okay with them you know being part of the instrumentation of their own demise right like yeah sure sure um
1: yeah no again i don't hate that either in some sense um
3: uh it would make that conversation way more than it currently is because it's just a bunch of guys talking around about how hard it is to hunt right (laughs) right yeah it would be like man life is difficult (laughs) <laughs> right.
1: Right. Another thing they could come back with, again you wouldn't get through out of this, but um mm. another thing they come back with is a dead vampire. Right. Like uh, golly, have you noticed <laughs> like these ginormous yeah. evil bats that have been flying around here lately? Like I um I mean that would be a conversation topic. Um and also could be a way of communicating that like yes this is an innovation this is different this is um these are some new evil spies of the enemy um yeah yeah just another another suggestion again you couldn't get any information out of the dead bat right but um, um other than the fact that this is different and new and they're like a i get the vampire bats Nothing says Thuring Thuring Gwethel's fingerprints better than a than the vampire bats, right? So, um, that would be another way to kind
3: of. I can add add a dead bat to that montage in the beginning of the Durinian sequence, and then in the conversation, if we had a live subject, that would be more interesting because they could talk.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. That would make it blindingly obvious. (laughs) <laughs> right, them them uh hearing the name of Thú I think is interesting, um, uh but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, so you really I, think this I, is necessary, Corey? No, I'm not saying it's absolutely necessary. I'm just saying uh, don't I don't
0: think the you don't think the prior scene where Sauron sends Théringwethel to Dorthonian to raise hell and make people's lives miserable. And then uh, we show people it,
1: being miserable,
2: yeah. and then, <laughs> right. allow the audience to connect those two dots. <laughs>
1: right, I, you know it's okay. It's maybe it's just me being dense. You know, I, 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 I just,
3: um, now, I, I, I can... throughout throughout this episode, keeping Theron Gwethel's viewpoint has been challenging. Yes, because yeah. we're not showing anything from her point of view. Actually, yeah. yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Like the where she's been designated the protagonist. She's not. I mean, right. it would be very difficult to argue that I've
2: She's not P O V.
3: Right. 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 For
2: most right. of the episode. But she she I, is the protagonist. She has yeah. a she it's has story. a thing to overcome. She you know, right. she has a challenge to overcome and she works through it and she doesn't overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um so in that sense that's that's precisely what she is. Right. right. Um right.
3: Okay, so- I just mean in a in a very... So, more Thuring Gwethel in this episode would not be bad. Right. Okay, exactly. So,
1: here's my... This is why... So, Dave, I figured out why I care about this. All right. This is is why I care. The reason I care is that I think, if it's very clear, this needs to look like a resounding win for Thuring Gwethel, right? I think that, like, all the way through, we should be like, man... During Gwethel, she's got it going on. Like she, like basically, when she goes back to Sauron at the end, right, and is all like, "Oh yeah, I did the thing. You're gonna love this, right?" And she's expecting this positive reaction. We should expect it too because we saw it, and we should be like, Mm. "She's like, she's evil, and she's just killed some good guys that we care about. So like, that's not a good look. But we should be like, man." She was competent, like she did the thing, right? That was like creepy and effective and horrible, and um, she totally won. And then so that we should have, when Sauron dismisses her, we should have the same reaction that she does. Be like, dude, that is so unfair. Look how competent she was, right? So it's like in order to build up, like I want her to look like a boss, you know, after this episode. Mm. Like she's outthinking everybody. She's doing she's got them she, she's you know single she's got them single handedly surrounded, right? Um and ultimately takes them down um in a really um uh sort of appropriate and horrible way, right, through the betrayal through the the deception and betrayal uh of, of, of Gorlim. Um, so anyway, I mean, I guess it's, it's not, it's, it's not like we're miles and miles away from that. I just like, that's why the reason I care about this is that I want the, I would want the viewers to come out of this episode being like, man, like Thuring Wethel is the bomb, right? She is like, um, you know, isn't Sauron lucky to have her working for him? Look at what she just did. Uh, to, like, um, you know, she totally has, uh, you know, them, uh, you know, sort of, stamped on her uh, you know uh, her accomplishments card right and then Sauron doesn't care and we should feel the injustice of it you know so I just I that's why I want to make sure her fingerprints are on it that's why it seems to me this that's why I can now again you might still think I'm wrong and that we're we have enough of it in there Um, but that's why I care.
3: Yeah, I feel like we definitely have fingerprints in the sense that she is indeed the person who sets up Gorlim, right. captures him, yeah, 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 questions yeah. him, the, gets the, the out yeah. of him, yeah. kills yeah. him, leads him to take out the Alex. Like right. That yeah. Part. Yeah. And if anyone didn't understand that she did that, I, I don't know what to tell them.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The 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 the, the thing definitely definitely very. Right. But uh, it, that But that's very. You don't
3: strong. want it to be one note that I can understand. Right.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, and, um, uh, another thing. Well, yeah, I don't know. No, okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doubting myself here. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, Okay. So, I said, not a huge deal. Don't want to make an absolutely huge deal of it. But I definitely, I think that um, building Thuring-Grethel up is a really cool, important thing here. Um,
3: yeah. And to uh, follow up on that, Catherine uh, specifically had pointed out places where we could build up Thuring-Grethel's character throughout this episode. And most of the suggestions were incorporated into the version you've seen here. Okay. The one scene where Katrin's like, oh yeah, this needs more... Th- is the scene where the outlines are standing around talking about how it's harder to hunt now right so and there was no change made to that scene yet so you're not the only one who noticed that Thuring Wethel's not explicitly in that scene
1: okay yeah yeah that makes you feel better yeah some kind of at least indirect reference so that um you know yeah a little reminder there that'd be good that'd be good um okay cool Sauron So back to Sauron at the end there. Sauron dissing her at the end. Um Why does he do this? Why is he so dismissive? I mean I know he doesn't care about Dorthonian, but he has valued her. Um is this simply the envy thing? Is it simply like the well of souls is going to his head, right? You know, the pot of evil is is uh uh you know, he's like drunk with power from the pot of evil and is uh, now seeing her more as rival than ally. I get it's a huge... That's a bigger shift, right? Um, That he would not care about Dorthonian, I get. That he would... Again, lack the self-awareness to realize he was dissing her when he fobbed that off on her, especially given that his motivation was tinged by the whole envy thing and his desire to get her away from the pot of souls, right? Which she would detect and take special offense at. Again, all that makes sense to me, right? But when she comes back, having done the thing that he sent her with, his sort of lack of interest in Barahir's defeat, um, that was the harder thing for me to believe in, if you see what I mean. Right. Um, Like, again, what's what's Sauron's headspace right there when he's sort of dissing her at the end?
0: See, this was the uh, by the way, this was this was kind of the kernel of my question earlier about to what extent is he posturing? Mm -hmm. Because I'm I, I sort of the way I read it as I read the episode was like, this is Sauron pretending to be Morgoth. Like acting like you know, treating treating his underlings the same way Morgoth was treating him, and like sort mm-hmm. of putting on airs and acting like he's above these right. menial tasks, and he has a larger, grander plan in mind.
3: The larger, grander plan in mind is what's distracting him and why he's not noticing that he just dismissed Theringwethel's efforts.
1: Right. Right.
3: Um, now, whether or not that's believable, that someone would. Suddenly forget to be very thankful for their very helpful underling just because he's got this big plan in mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, That certainly,
2: I mean, bad guy,
1: bad guy, yes, true, true, yes, and and thus
3: they've worked together very well. So, also, we got to be a little careful. Also, even a very
1: useful tool, and he's not going to just push her away for no reason.
3: Insane. well-established yeah. in
0: the, uh, in the books, at least that this guy has significant blind spots.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know. It, it didn't bother me. I, I of okay. I, course I was imposing things on the character perhaps, but I was just reading it as like this, this, you know, things are going, things are rapidly rushing to his head and he's like getting mm-hmm. sort of getting a little too big for his
1: situation. But we, should, we, but we have to be so careful. I remember yeah. Sauron is the longest game of the yes. whole so series, true. right? Like really. you, you can't, can't have... turn
3: into villainous Dark Lord literally he, overnight,
1: right? If he if his if his if his change his character ever gets too rapid, we're gonna be in yeah, serious this trouble. This is
2: this is a little more like Doctor Frankenstein.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I I don't know a, a mad scientist who has like a a partner who he starts to ignore because he's working on uh, on his project I, I i i'm sure that that trope exists somewhere um but, but... um
0: aren't we you know Are in you... some sense it's kind of okay isn't it okay if he has a little bit of a mini arc this season where he like because he has a run of successes before he just has a devastating defeat
1: Right, he's so going to have a of, major setback. So yeah. yeah. Right. So
0: it's yeah. it's okay if we set him sort of on a like wow, we're starting to see the signs of the future dark lord and then wham, he gets knocked down again. Right. And that can and, that can set him back for a good long while because we're and, we're right. not going to see a lot of him after that.
2: And you can make the case that this kind of slight even slight break from Thorongwethil played a role in his defeat at the hands of Luthien and Juan right. If yeah. right. she had been there, things might have turned out differently. Right. You know, if right. she had been available for fending off good guys instead of busy trying to tap into the Well of Souls and getting <sighs> murdered. Right,
1: and by the way, this, and, it's kind of it's it's kind of fun, you know, with the way we were talking about there are senses in which Luthien and Thuringwethil are kind of opposites, right? Um, and so the fact that like they never did actually meet in conflict is part of the problem for Sauron, right? He, you know, he should have yeah. had his anti-Luthien at his side uh, when he met her.
2: And
3: yeah, he's going to lose both Dragluin and, and um, Thuringwethil in that fight. so... Yes. Taking your underlings for granted is a lesson he's going to learn be harshly is a bad idea.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Because um, he's only just lost to Vildo so far, right? I mean, again, the rest of them are coming soon. And so that yeah. was... Um, and that was unfortunate. But Tavildo was a... was a... Uh, a thug yeah. anyway, right? I mean, he was not really... I mean, he's part of the... he's part of the core council, but he wasn't... Uh, um, Necessary.
3: To learn yeah. his own thing. So when when he was taken out in Brethil, it's not like sauron was personally affected by that other than oh, oh.
1: yeah 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 um yeah
3: Breathel, that's that's a different level
1: right um jason's suggestion that um he is sauron is that is actually being in some sense affected by the use of the uh the soul pot um, is, is is interesting. Like that he might actually be kind of um, drunk on power in a slightly less purely metaphorical way, right. basically. under the
3: influence. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. That he's actually, his head has actually been turned in some sense. Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: We're, we're not getting his viewpoint really in this episode, so it is left to the to is but we should probably know for episodes right. <laughs> exactly how right.
1: Yeah. right right um yes okay um uh okay okay yeah um Jason is suggesting that it could be visually communicated by something happened with his eyes um uh, like a change to his eyes. Like it's, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, anyway, um, we don't have to go too far in it, but I, I, I think that it's, uh, I, I think it's an interesting, uh, I certainly think it's an interesting, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to make his character shift seem too sudden because he's not been prone to sudden character shifts so far.
3: Yeah, that final scene between the two of them is lit by the soul. Yeah. So yeah. if we're going to have Weird lights reflecting in his eyes. They're in a situation with weird lighting, so yeah. it could be very subtle and up to interpretation be, yeah. right, to right, what right. the right,
1: yeah. right, yeah. No, I like that. Okay, all right. Well, let's um, let's let's move on to the outlaw band. We've talked about them, of course, already. Some um, about the the uh, the futility and the increasing difficulty. Um, uh, the emphasis on the provisions for the winter was really interesting. And it was, I was interested in that primarily because um, it, it changed the pressure on the Mm. outlaws. Right. Um, I was, I was a little bit surprised actually when that came up, because I was expecting it to be like, things are getting worse and worse and we don't know how long we get. Like, it's like they're very far from the point of desperation. Right. I mean, they're kind of like, they're still at the place where they're like making a business decision here right i mean it's mm-hmm. it's like they they could totally stay right we've got enough food we'll be fine it would be inconvenient right and do we really need to whereas if they were running short on food um as the uh um non-hunting uh scene or rather unrewarding hunting scene suggested um uh, then there would be like every arrow would be pointing in the direction of them, um, leaving. Right. Um, and they would only be staying out of like pure cussed mindedness. Uh, but, um, but anyway, so having the, having the, um, the outlaws have supplies, put it in a really interestingly sort of neutral place, right. Where like we don't have to go we can totally stay it's fine right but uh except for the whole wolf problem and the you know the difficulties are having but anyway, anyway so i, I that, that was one of the points that i found most interesting
3: i included that for a couple of reasons but one of the main ones is when people tend to do risk assessment there's always a perception of how different something is
2: mm-hmm. and
3: the perception and reality are often completely Unrelated. And like this is the thing about people being afraid of shark attacks in the ocean versus not being afraid of car accidents. And, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. probably know people who have died in car accidents. Probably don't know anyone who's ever been bitten by a shark. I could be wrong about this, but right. like this, this, of what is dangerous and what is not. And so for them to focus on, okay, do we have enough food for the winter? Yes, we've got provisions. So, okay, we're safe. We're set. We can stay later. Without, like, yeah, there's stuff going on. We'll make our decision at that point when it's, you know, important. Be, we're good for now. Right. And so that false safety and being prepared for the situation, I thought mm-hmm. was just a realistic way people view dangerous situations. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Right, and there was a sort of a fun irony of you know, as you said, like we have provisions, we're fine, we can stay here, we could stay here practically indefinitely, right? It's no big deal, and then they get you know smoked out and slain and destroyed, you know, by the end of the episode. So um, there certainly is uh, a kind of uh, a kind of irony there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, do we have is. Gorlim on a separate, yeah. Gorlim is a separate slide. I want to talk about Gorlim. Um, I or
3: Poor, Gorlim.
1: Poor Gorlim. Um I loved the way that. And so, as I'm recalling, um, the change that was made from the text is basically the chase scene, right?
3: Mm. a little, um, obviously the question here becomes which text. So there's the published Sumerian version, and then there's the yeah. Lathian version and Gorlam has very different experiences and motivations in both those stories.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: So I kind of blended elements from both of them and created something new. Right. If, if you will.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um,
3: So in the in the lay the chase ends with Gorlam getting away and he right. returns to tarnilo and and the, the traitorous decision comes later right right and, right and he's caught on the spot in at the house in ladras so i i get away from the house but still get caught in the chase um, um, the chase scene isn't working we can definitely just no, the wow.
1: chase scene is, is, you know, the problem wasn't the chase scene exactly. I think, sorry, I think my point of obsession is still, how could we revise this to make Thuring look even cooler and scarier? Because, like, I'm, I, one of the other things I'm very aware of is that, like, this episode is basically Thuring last hurrah. We'll, we'll see her later mm. on. Right, but really, just to set up her death. Um, this is this is pretty much the end of the line for Threw and oh. Um and she's been one of the coolest villain characters we have. Period. Uh, so I really, um, I, I wa- So here's here's a little brief revision. Right, he f- flees. I'm okay with the chase scene. Actually, I think the chasing can be really evocative. Actually, um, uh, even uh, almost, uh, uh, sort of symbolic or metaphorical, um, and the element that I found myself missing was the was act- is actually here in the uh, in the uh, in in the slide as well, but I felt less present in the text, and that is captured and brought before Thoring Gwetho, right? In the text, as I recall, it's like captured, and then and she's there, right? Um, and she finds him. But I think... okay, So, how about this? Here's my suggestion. My suggestion is, so we got that scene right where he climbs up and he thinks he's safe, right? Because he got wolves tracking him, but he's scaled the cliff, which the wolves won't be able to do. And so here he is looking down upon the, you know, his uh, trackers. But of course, he's also being followed by a chick who can fly, right? So the cliff, less effective as a way to escape uh, the chick who can fly, right? Um, so if he, running away, thinks he's safe, and then um, we basically... Uh, uh, he's... Ca- Wouldn't it be cool if he is captured there at the top of the cliff, Right? And then he's brought... And then it turns out that, like, the Glade that... I'm, I'm, I'm thinking also of connections back to the Hobbit, right? Where um, they end up uh, taking refuge in the clearing, which turns out to be the gathering spot of the goblins and, and wargs, right? Um, uh, t- to some extent, I'm kind of imagining that as well. Um, that is, if it would be really cool if Thuring Gwethel were, like, standing in state. That, like, he turns around from the cliff, and, like, it's not just that Thuring Wethel is right there. Thuring Wethel and her whole retinue are right there. As if they were, were like... It, we're now ahead.
2: calling Thuring Gwethel tea-bats, by the way.
1: t bats gotcha.
2: Thanks okay. to, to Dennis. <laughs>
3: okay.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, but, um... like So, the op- for her to be, like, in this position of power right with him brought before her as if she were on a throne right but even better than that like he thinks he's he's been running it's not just that he's running and he can't get away because they catch up with him right it's like he's running and running and he runs right to her essentially or at least she makes it look like that right she is so it is so impossible for him to escape um not only does she catch him right but she has him completely surrounded. She, like, she knows he was going that way, right? She he can was fly. driven
3: to her location. She was not exactly escaping right. from the trap.
1: Okay. Exactly. So, like, she, he turns around that's... from the cliff, and, like, there she is, like, you know, sitting on her, like, I don't know, her, like, a, some sort of stone throne or, like, of some kind. Like, not a real throne. But anyway, like, she's sitting there in state, and her people around her, and it's like, thank you for joining us, Gorilliam, right? I mean, like, it's just like, she is, like, completely I, I really in control like that. of the situation. Right. Um, and then, is, like, the orcs come in behind make... him and capture him. and sorry, It's, yeah.
2: it's actually especially if all of the people surrounding her are also vampires it's very fake yeah yes right yeah yeah it's very um, fake court like he just um, trips into the fake court and right. the evil fake court, court. <laughs> you're in yes. trouble <laughs> yes yeah, like exactly. that sounds super terrifying
1: yeah that's 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 exactly the kind of thing that i was that i was imagining there um and uh yeah yeah so i think i think it's um um, that would be so. Yeah, that that. But that's sort of the element, right? The element of like uh, being brought before her in her full authority uh, kind of sense of that scene, um, and to to combine that with uh, the yeah. So I, I think I think that would be that would be that would be fun, and it wouldn't be a huge thing. It would just be like that one scene, right? The capture scene. Um, mm. uh, that's that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I loved the Island L thing, and I loved the way that he, um, uh, I love the way that he sees, like, she, like, shows him that she was Island L, right? I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, my one last quibble, not exactly quibble, or suggestion. Um, I thought he, he got off really easy. Um, uh, like stabbing, I'm like.
3: Yeah, we uh, we had this conversation among yeah, the yeah. people involved what, what, in this planning, what, what, and yeah. we we do know that from the lay, he is put cruelly to death by Morgoth. Um, cruelly was which, the word
1: that kept going through my head when I was. Mm-hmm, here. So one could Stabbing's imagine cruel.
3: Uh, yeah, but it's so sort of not in the Norse. Happened it's to quick. him was, or uh, William Wallace and Braveheart, like that. That looks like um so the question is do we want to show gore oh green then just
1: hang on do we just a imply
3: it sorry sorry uh okay. so we do do we just set up a torture scene theringeththel walks out takes a smoke break and we're focusing the camera on her, <laughs> her while girl's being tortured to death inside you know off screen is that something that would improve this scene
1: okay so I think I would be satisfied by a compromise between those two positions um, my compromise would be um, he doesn't I don't need an extended torture scene but I the increase, the cruelly, my, my, again, like the word cruelly was going through my head when I was, when I was, when I was actually, I'm like, it was insufficiently cruel. She it would be it. more, it what she just has to enjoy it a little bit more, right? Like she just has to enjoy it a little bit more. Like for instance, just to give a really simple example, if instead of stabbing him, like of a wound that's going to, to kill him very quickly, right? Like if she just like cuts him so that he's going to bleed enough to bleed out within, uh, you know a few minutes and, and she can watch him die slowly. Right. That would be enough. Like just like, she, he, he doesn't have to experience tremendous physical pain. Like he doesn't have to be physically tortured. Right. But like this, if, if there is a scene of, of him, he's been given a death wound, but not like an immediate, like he's not stabbed in the heart. You know, he's not, um, um, you know, or something like that. But he's just like, again, like she, you know cuts him and he's bleeding and she's watching him bleed out right and then she's gloating over him as he bleeds out right or especially something
2: like if that. she like, does it if she kills him does the thing it's going to kill him mortally wounds him as herself and then does the gloating as island as like laughing exactly. at him exactly. as Islanel.
1: that's just exactly that's the kind of torture I that was would thinking. that's that the kind of cruelty be, i was thinking of
2: that that would be the possibly the most painful thing that could be done to me yes, yes exactly
1: because right, i mean there's so, all kinds yeah yeah there's yeah, all so kinds of ways she could rub that into him at that point
3: you are requesting the death scene of mace Hughes from full metal out and you might not realize that's what you're requesting <laughs> i don't that realize are requesting that,
1: yeah.
0: okay. yes i
3: know you don't okay. realize that but okay gotcha gotcha yeah.
1: yeah yeah i just i get that that seems not only cruel but her brand of cruelty Right, that was the thing. Um, it's
3: like Morgoth putting someone cruelly to death is very different than Sauron or Tharangwethil doing it. So we wanted yeah. this to be her style, and yeah. just randomly torturing a dude so he screams a lot didn't yeah, seem no, like something exactly. that yeah, would yeah, no. suit her.
1: No, I, I agree. But That's yeah. too yeah. But this, yeah, the it's, the it's the taunting. It's the taunting that I want. He's, if he's okay. just stabbed, he's barely gonna. I mean, he. I mean, I, I still like the fact that even with the stabbing and the relatively rapid death, um, he still got that glimpse. Right, he still got that moment mm-hmm. where he. So he did die realizing what had happened. Right, but the the other thing is that um, the shade of Gorlim. Right. Which I loved. I loved how that happened. Um, and I love the way that that picks up on what we saw in the previous episode. Right? I, I, I thought that was done really, really well. Um, but the f- I love the note of uncertainty. That like she's this is her glory, right? She just had her un, you know, presiding in the unseelie court thing. She just had her like super evil, cruel gloat over, you know, guy as he was dying. And then she sees his soul and she she nobody knows better than she what happens to the souls of mortals when they die. Right. And then he doesn't do it. And she's like, well, crap, something, that something, uh, oh dear. <laughs> like, I, I think something has gone amiss <laughs> right with this plan. But obviously she's not going to say that. She's not even going to show it very much. But we can get that hint there. And I and mm-hmm. that seems a really fun way to kind of undermine the cruelty. It's, it's almost like, of course, Gorlim um, is kind of getting his own back. Or like there's the, the, the kind of glimpse of... Uh, you know, not really full redemption, but desire for redemption and working towards it that we give to, to I, 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 I sort of like that.
2: Speaking of glimpses, the what I didn't expect and maybe I should have. And it just like I missed it was seeing Thorin as she truly is mm-hmm. like seeing her true. Yes. Yes. Maya of Mando's uh, of Namo form. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was awesome.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. I loved that. I love that, especially since that's really the first time it's explicitly revealed to the viewers, right, where she is and where she comes from. I
3: I kept that reveal out of episode one specifically, so we...
1: Yeah, (laughs) loved it. Heavy hinting in episode one, uh, clear reveal in episode two. Loved that, loved that. And again, what better time to reveal the full truth of Thorin Gwethel's backstory than, like right before it's curtains for Thuring Gwethel, right? Now's the time. We can't hold anything back any longer than this episode for Thuring Gwethel. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Um, uh, okay. Um, yeah, good, good. Um, and then his shade seeking out, um, Baron. Um, I like that. Um, okay, good. Good, um, Kelgorman Kurafin. All right, I loved a lot of this. Almost all of this, in fact, I loved. I, I thought it was. I thought it worked really well. Um, I was really glad that Kelgorman Kurafin had the explicit. Um, why is Mytheros not king? Or if not Mithros, why not? <laughs> why, why not? You know? Um, yeah. No, I, I loved that. I loved that. I thought that that was um, um, that was it, it was time for that conversation explicitly to happen, yep. um, and I thought that that worked really well here. And uh, Kelagorm was a really great um, uh, uh, sort of dumb straight man uh, for that uh, conversation. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was. Not-
3: too dumb no, i, he could, I no, have he could have been
1: dumber i could have been dumber yeah
3: I, there's yeah. a few lines that got deleted because he was too dumb so <laughs> right
1: right no but the, like um, to have an element of like no let me explain this to you brother uh painfully yes. because you don't understand it's fine I, I i i that fits caligorm to me so
0: i like the uh i even like the the um the legalistic analysis of succession yes <laughs> i really enjoyed that That they um, um, the, uh, our Caligarum and Corfin seem to like, seem to actually have more of a, like the Silmarillion published Silmarillion guys are like kind of mustache twirly that kind of mm-hmm. just seem like just jerks mm-hmm. that do jerk things. These guys seem to like actually have thought things through and that's kind of seem like they have a legitimate gripe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it hey, is a legitimate gripe. In, in some what, sense.
0: What are the rules of succession here, guys? We're just <laughs> handing the crown around.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, of course, like, rules of succession is a particularly interesting question when it comes, not just to elves in general, but to the high kingship of the elves in particular, which is kind yeah. of a, you know, especially in the current, anyway, yeah. No, and I, specifically
2: I... at this time.
1: Yeah, because
2: exactly. Because Myros just laid out the reasons why Fingolfin should be high king, and then didn't Go along with his own rule, yeah. Yep. You know. Yep.
3: Well, again, it's the who are you choosing the heir to? Are you choosing Finway's heir, Feanor's heir, or Fingolfin's heir? It was
2: and, explicitly Finway's.
3: Uh, it was <laughs> at one point, but now is it Fingolfin's heir, or do you have to go back and find Finway's newest air And Curf is <laughs> clearly going to argue for um it's still Finway.
1: Yeah. No, it's awesome. It's like, uh, you know, we're like this close to the Elvish War of the Roses. Right. Uh, which is fine. Like that's that's kind of. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but just less slightly less complicated. Well, no, not really. But anyway, no, it's it's, it's it was good. As I, said, I liked it. I thought that that worked really well. Um, the um, the only there's only one note in it that oh boy. I struggled and I might have missed it. I might it might it might be me. I might have like been because um, I was I was kind of in a hurry. It's been a busy week, but uh, the, the th- was when Celebrimbor and Oridreth, who Oh wait, hang on a second. Sidebar: What an awesome payoff of the Oradreth and Calabrimbor thing, right? I mean, like the the bromance between Oradreth and Celebrimbor paid off in spades in this episode. I was like, mm-hmm. man, this couldn't have been, we couldn't have drawn this up more perfectly. Right. As like a way to smooth the way of, you know, of the Feanorians into Nargothrond. Like, oh man, like, um, it's just awesome. Like that was so beautiful. And I, I, you know, and not only that, but of course, as the way of setting up Celebrimbor's departure later on, I mean, oh man, it was like, that was just, that was so good. Um, uh and um uh, but but anyway, okay, okay, so the thing at, at the very end, right? At the very end of the episode when um Orodreth and Kel uh Kel Brimbor were kind of like looking alarmed, right, at what Kurafin was saying. Um it seemed their reaction felt to me. Disproportionate to what he was actually saying. I was like, I wanted what he was saying to be a little bit eviler than it was, but not so evil that again, you want to make Finrod look like a git, right? But I was, I was like, I wasn't feeling alarmed, you know, like it seemed yeah, pretty I, neutral what he was saying.
3: I had reworked a little bit, and yeah, what's left is not necessarily something that would um, lead to that level of alarm. What yeah. initially thought of doing was. Oradrath come into court as Calagorm and Curafin. So Finrod greets Orodreth and they have a nice little exchange and Oradrath is all like deferential to the king and it's very polite. And then Calagorm and Curafin come in and Calagorm's all like, yes, we totally saved the day and we're here to do things and much more forceful about it, less deferential. Right. So there's supposed to be a nice little contrast there for them to look at, but then of course I reworked it and put Wardraeth in earlier, so you can't see that. Um, it, it does like now.
1: Yeah. So Depending I don't like know
3: if took it. Yeah. I don't know it. if the <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know if the answer is to, um, like save or tone down the reaction, or mm-hmm. to ramp back up the alarm. Uh, the alarmingness of the statements, um, but yeah, there, there felt like a little bit of a disproportion there. Um, I guess I wasn't. I was. I was. I was having the experience of like I'm not sure if I'm missing something or if. Um, uh, or, but anyway, yeah, it right.
3: It's a reaction to a deleted scene. <laughs> okay.
1: There we go. There we go. So Tolkien gets it,
3: away with that all the time. He still it does it and leaves the yeah. reaction and it's fine. Like, i fine. It was not fine.
1: Yeah, you're right. It is totally, that is actually an absolutely normal Tolkienian thing to happen, right? You know, to leave people reacting to the thing that was deleted, but it still works. It's unfair the way he pulls that off. Um,
3: But um, Strangely enough, I'm not uh, quite as talented as him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, that's okay.
1: That's okay. That's, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the bar here. Okay. Um, uh, great. Okay. Um, so, anyway, anyway, like I said, I like that stuff. I thought that all worked really well. Um, let's go through briefly the minor character appearances. Karkaroth, again, loved the Karkaroth uh, cameo. That was a great introduction. Um, Huan um, uh Oh, so, 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 so of course we saw Huan. Um, Do we get cues from Huan? Are we like uh, yeah, yeah? A we got some, some, a
2: little bit, yeah.
1: Huon
3: yeah. Huan would like Caligorm to spend less time with Curafin right? In this episode,
1: right? Okay, um, right. And child Rian uh, appears in Bellagun's nightmare. That was fun. Um, i liked mm-hmm. uh, i like the 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 rion appearance um uh Gorgal the butcher whom uh I, I was i know we've been building up to uh we wanted a named orc to be slain by baron uh there um Gorgal we haven't seen since last season in the fens of Serek, right
2: season five yeah, yeah. i think he was he, I guess probably was present during the taking of Tulsirian, like the actual arm, like small
3: When the orcs of... and the wolf show up, presumably. Yeah,
2: yeah there was yeah. probably but... there.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he's um, not a line or a particular action he no. takes or anything. Right.
1: Right. Um, I'm just wondering well, it's just like We're going to lose some of the effect of killing off a named orc if nobody remembers his name (laughs) by the time he gets killed. Uh, So, just so I'm just wondering if we might need a breadcrumb, an additional breadcrumb too, between. Would
3: you like him to be the actual orc who's capturing Gorlum and tying him up? Yeah. Okay. That'd be good because I can put a little note in there that it's Gorgol the butcher. Yeah. Um, The other thing we could do is, if you wanted the end of the. Gorlem death scene to have Thuring command the orcs to get ready to move out. Like, she could be giving that command to Gorgle mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, if we just
2: need his him. name. Right. Yeah, if we need some him, reminder.
1: It'd
3: be like, hey, Gorgle, go get the orcs. Moving.
1: Right. Just to, I, I, just, just to make sure that um, mm-hmm. we see the significance of that. Because it's, I mean, he's kind of, I mean, he's... Not the hugest deal, but he's, I mean, he's been the captain of Sauron's orc, orc armies. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, again, in the spirit of Sauron loses every lieutenant of any significance that he has and is completely left on his own and wounded at the end of episode seven, is something I think it would be good to um, emphasize. Um, especially since Gorgol was the one who. Uh, almost captured Finrod um, last season, you know, in the battle. So, like, it's kind of a, you know, it's a reasonably uh, strong item for an orc's resume, right? Um, and, you know,
2: anyway. It captured so. Gwieland.
1: Yeah, there you go. It captured Gwieland. Exactly. Oh, um, he
2: was named in, in in season five. Awesome. Yeah. I did somehow, somehow had the foresight to name him there you go. out loud. There you go. loud. There you go. Yeah. Yeah
1: yeah and I don't know if he could even appear like we can see him so that again we're reminded of him um in episode one as well just to c- continue that association with sauron uh and again not super crucial but again just to, i'm I'm thinking here just of all this is all about the setup for episode three basically um okay Thingol's court yep yeah. um uh welcome, welcoming gogoad uh, that, yeah, I, that, I thought was, um, I thought that was good. By the way, and I also liked this sort of initiative that Go-Go-Ad was showing there. That was a, that was a nice, um, a nice little moment, um, when go ad insists on continuing. Um, he's going to be the ambassador, even though he's now the ambassador from nowhere, right? Uh, I am the ambassador from the refugee camp outside of Tulsyrian, but, uh, anyway, I, 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 I still, I liked his, uh, um, his gumption and initiative there—I thought that was good. Mm. Uh, I loved the Gwyndor appearance. Um,
3: not—is is he named? Is he addressed by name? Not in this episode. Okay. Um, so again, if we need that to happen,
1: I—it's—it's it's not a. I'm just—he's going to be an important character, and we'll get to see him and get to know him more later on. Mm. Obviously, mm-hmm. but um, um, of course, no one's going to even pay a bit of attention to him. I mean, like. I was paying attention to him because he was labeled, you know, in the script. But if on screen, all he does is like come in and um, escort them into the throne room, people are going to, you know, not even pay any attention to him. And some little indication, right, to suggest that, like, this is a person you might want to notice he's going to be important later. However, we might signal that. I don't know if we necessarily have to, but um, that just occurred to me. Yeah. Um, Again, loved Caleb Brimboar and Ordreth, one of my low-key favorite elements of this whole episode. Like, it just—it was just one of those things where, um, you know, like the things that we didn't fully anticipate, I think. I mean, it's not that we were ignorant of the fact that Caleb Brimboar was going to be important for this later on, but, but, boy, like the payoff was just, like, automatic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even before anything had been written, like, just when they met each other, it was just like, oh, it's perfect, it's beautiful, couldn't be better, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> loved that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And then we got a brief uh, uh, um appearance, which is cool. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Well, I think that... Look at that. We did all the slides. Who saw that coming? Any, any other thoughts or questions that you guys had that you wanted to talk about from the episode or things that you were uncertain about um, that you wanted to at least briefly discuss or...
3: the hardest part of this to write was the betrayal on, from Gorlem mm-hmm. because yes, I mean I I didn't want him to betray the outlaws I really didn't and he didn't yes. want to betray the outlaws so yes. like how do you write a scene where you're like no don't do it Gorlam, don't do it um, <laughs> so my hope was that while not being someone the audience is going to love at the end of this right, there'd be at least some sympathy for his plight that he's in a tough spot.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: And what he's doing is not like deliberately evil.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I mean,
3: yeah.
1: yeah, I, I hear you because like the, the, there are various levels of mitigation. I mean, as you say, you know, he's not going to be beloved at the end of this scene, but there are various levels of mitigation that can, that like we can offer right. In how we set up the scene, um, uh, you know, like, um, a certain level of desperation would be a certain mitigation, right? That he didn't just like in cold blood be like, yeah, okay. You know, on balance, whatever, I'll give him over. Right. Like that's, you know, if, again, if, if he's, um, you know, in the grip of a kind of desperation, then there's that, that's a little bit of mitigation, right? Um, something that would indicate um more of an actual like psychological influence over him, right? Like if there's some any kind of sense of Thuringwethel laying the vampiric whammy on him, right, um, that would be an even greater mitigation. But we don't want to totally undermine his will. I mean, he betrays them, like he does make the choice, so we do want, we don't want to make it look involuntary that he's done it either, I think. Um, right. but a certain amount. A little bit of influence, a little bit of whammy, might possibly help a little bit. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I hadn't even considered that honestly, because I knew it had to be his choice. So I hadn't. Even yeah,
1: I mean, it is, it is it, it is, it is, it is his choice. But if, if, um, what I'm, what I'm picturing is if there, we could see her, and, and it's, you know, it would be, it would be subtle. Right. It would be her like talking to him in this certain tone, which would seem to like sort of, suggest, you know, in this, you know, sort hypnotizing. of uh, hypnotizing tone. Right. That would kind of create that sort of atmosphere not to overcome, you know, and not over like, you know, to be like, you know, him being like, no, I shall never. Oh, actually. OK, here you go. Like, it's not you know, it's not like it's the but like mm-hmm. clearly he's sort of inclined in that direct, like he's 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 clearly tempted he's like on the edge of giving in and she just sort of like makes it easier like let me let me um you know help to overcome that last uh, resistance she
2: um, she plays good cop for just a second
1: it's something like that right i mean something to to um to sort of indicate anyway like it might make it easier cuz I, I hear you it's really hard like it's really hard to mm-hmm. um to show a betrayal like that um and it's why by the way like doesn't it seem to you? I mean, maybe I'm, I I don't have vast amounts of experience with this, but it seems to me like any time a betrayal like that happens in a movie or a TV show, it almost always happens off stage, right? Like, yeah, you you like the bad guys show up, and then you learn that this person has so like the the scene where like it is revealed that the person has betrayed them is very common, right? But actually depicting somebody. Coughing up the information is much. It seems to me much less usual, and I think for exactly this reason, it's hard.
2: Even, typically, if even if they show the scene in which that is going to happen, they cut just before they before yeah. they break. Yeah, like exactly. the person kind of like looks up, like and, right. and it, you you, you know they're the, gonna yeah yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah
3: well yeah that's part of the thing is that there's usually uh, some tension of do the villains know the key piece of information or not right. that you want to maintain? So the only way I could do that is we're clearly having Gorland give it up. Right. So all I could do to put even a question in anyone's mind was to say, well, he's meeting Baron at a lake in a mountain and the owls are the lake in the mountain, which Blake did.
1: Right. Did he give up Baron or did he give up the whole band? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so
3: there's at least a question mark over what he did there. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that that helps maintain the tension very long because we figure out as soon as the outlaws are like, gee, it's really quiet here tonight. You're like,
1: (laughs) right, (laughs) right, Right. exactly. And that's okay. Like it's not the the drawing out of suspense, I think, isn't really essential. I mean, it is kind of fun that there's a a, a little bit of doubt, right? Especially because as I recall, we cut to Baron. Baron is the one that we get next. Right. So, um, uh, isn't it? No, maybe not. Um,
3: I, I, we're gonna get the attack on the outlaws before we come back to Baron, but right. we do see Baron at the lake before we see okay. the attack on the outlaws. Right, right, So right, we'll right, see Baron right. at the lake and the outlaws at the lake.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, um, but um, but yeah, we. Um, I mean, even like. Maybe it's cowardly, uh, you know, now that we're talking about this, maybe it's cowardly to cut at that moment, right? You know, to, uh, um, and then just come back for the torturing and killing, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the slow death with mockery that we were describing before. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. um, yeah. I think it, I think it works. Maybe experiment with just a little bit of vampiric um, whammy, basically, just the, the hint of suggestion of influence there.
2: Jason Troutman suggested that she, um, like the last thing that she says to him before she he gives it up, is in that uh, double voice thing that Sauron does, just so that there's just a li- She's just leaning on him just a little mm-hmm. bit. Spiritually speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because like that double voice thing, like Sauron isn't tip doesn't typically do that when he's trying to actually like rope in somebody's mind. He just does it to put like exert a little bit of his power out there. Right. Right. And that might be a good idea.
1: Yeah. 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 Just, just a hint. Um, and again, he's still, he's still a traitor. I mean, his own confession shows that he knows he's responsible. Um, so I think that that's, um, I think that that's, that's that's pretty cool. Besides, like, I also have to admit the idea of Thuring Gwethel getting like one last, you know, um, quasi Dracula spin-off moment. You know, it's <laughs> something I kind of like as well. Um, well,
3: again, th- if this is going to be her episode, yeah, yeah, her action should be that's,
1: quintessentially Thuring Gwethel. Yeah. Let's let's show her full range. Right. She can't leave anything on the table here uh, in this episode. So. um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's let's pour it all out there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Awesome. Um, Well, thanks, everybody. Our um, our next episode is going to be on August 18th. I'm traveling again, so uh, we won't be in two weeks. We'll be in three weeks um, on August 18th. we uh, were hoping to discuss the soundtrack uh, commissioning uh, the music for season six. We've already we talked about some things. We're going to kind of go over some of that a little bit. That's contingent upon uh, Philip being able to uh, meet us. Then we might end up with a reschedule. If we do, we'll end up talking about episode three. So we'll either talk about episode three or we'll talk about the music and you'll have to show up on the 18th. And then you'll know which one we're going to do. Um and the next script discussion, they're going to, are they going to be, you guys are going to be discussing episode 6 on August 5th. Uh, so that's next week, right? Next Friday, um, uh, tomorrow week at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and that'll be on our Twitch channel here as well. All right? Very good. Uh, so thanks, everybody. This was a, a great episode. I thought this, this, there were so many things that I really loved about this episode. I think it's um, I love the Thorin Gwethel's last hurrah episode mm-hmm. like you know yep. very excited mm-hmm. about that um nice yeah another, done Marie.
2: yeah another yeah. strong showing from our showrunner for me Proster.
1: absolutely right.
3: group effort here i mean i wrote a rep and then a bunch of people took a look at it and then helped me make it a lot better before i showed you guys so nick was part of that effort obviously but um the names all the people that i had to make up for the family in Darthonian. Uh, I got help from Harangil with that. Um, like I had mentioned that Katrin really helped with getting the Therangwethel stuff in this episode better. And um, Alana had made sure we got the Celebrimbor-Ordrath friendship planned to yeah. show up in this episode. And obviously once you put it in the plan, it kind of writes itself. Oh man, yeah. So, so yeah, like there, there was team effort to get this product yes i i wrote awesome but yeah with help help.
1: strong work to you and many thanks also to the other members of our community there who are helping um and uh uh look looking forward to looking forward to more stuff so Mm -hmm. thanks everybody and i'll say as always thanks for listening and godspeed